This is Financial Standard, the definitive source of news, thought leadership and analysis for Australian wealth management professionals. Financial Standard. Take the lead. I'm Cassandra Baldini. This is the Financial Standard podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Following a government review of its operations, the Reserve Bank of Australia has announced its intention to implement significant changes to take effect next year. These changes include a reduction in the frequency of interest rate decisions per year, the extension of board meetings, and a comprehensive restructuring of the senior management team. Last Friday, Philip Lowe marked his final appearance as governor, paving the way for Michelle Bullock to assume the role in September. During his speech, Lowe emphasised that the central bank's primary focus remains to achieve the target inflation rate of 2-3%, which it anticipates will happen by late 2025. While the RBA's transformation is on the horizon, the potential repercussions for the economy remain uncertain. Climate counsellor and independent economist Nikki Hutley joins me today to share her views. Nikki, thank you for joining me. Great to be here. Could you provide insight into the factors that prompted the government to initiate the review of the RBA, as well as outline the primary conclusions drawn from it? The RBA had been due for a review for a long time. We always um, review, uh, or periodically review, all of our major institutions and and their processes. However, this was probably prompted by some of the um, what happened during COVID, um, not only the decisions taken by the Reserve Bank, but the communications of those decisions, which um, left a little, some people um, uncertain that the Reserve Bank was actually making the right decisions or communicating those in an, in an appropriate way. Um, but, of course, the review went further than that and um, looked at the overall operations of, of, of the bank. So it, it, it looked at really not just the framework for, for monetary policy but the overall um, governance, the way the bank itself operates. What were those primary conclusions? Yes. So um, ultimately, the most important one was that the bank should continue to um, target inflation, but also that it should give consideration to employment, but that it needed to be, um, so do what it had been doing, but it needed to be more um, open and transparent about the decisions that that it made. And that in so doing, um, it also needed to consult more widely within the bank so that it was seen to um, listen to the voices of those doing the research throughout the bank. It was seen that perhaps that wasn't always the case, um, that the governor or, in fact, that the board had access to as much information as perhaps it, it should have in making its its decisions um, and, therefore, that the board wasn't necessarily able to um, ask the right questions perhaps of, of some of the, the, the policies that were proposals that were put to them in terms of interest rate decisions and, and, and directions. So it will be a lot more transparent. It will involve um, a lot more communication both within the bank and outside the bank. What about the recent RBA staff changes? There have been a few biggies. Last month, Lucy Ellis announced her departure. While the central bank is presently in the process of searching for a chief operating officer, and of course next month, Lowe will bow out. Do you think change in heads means a change in strategy? Yeah, so there obviously is um, a shake-up. Philip Lowe's um, contract was not renewed, which is um, not unusual. Sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't. But I think that he was too associated with um, some of the issues that have, we'd had in the recent years. And so Michelle Bullock, um, one of the deputy governors, will take over from him. 
But one of the other deputy governors, of course, Lucy Ellis, is has gone to Westpac as their, or will be going to Westpac as their new chief economist. So that means two deputy governor positions are are open, as it were, um, and that will see perhaps certainly some change in the faces of the bank, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the processes that they go through or the thinking will change dramatically. We don't yet know what Michelle Bullock's MO is going to be in in this role. Um, We do know that, you know, she's highly experienced, um, consultative, um, and so, you know, makes a, um, you know, appears to be an excellent candidate. Um, But we don't know how that will translate into perhaps different action and of course it's not just the bank staff it's it's what's happening to the to the different boards the fact that you will have a monetary policy decision board as well as a governance board so two separate decision making authorities it's also worth noting that the RBA is in the process of undertaking a substantial initiative focused on cultural transformation the objective is to improve the transparency of leadership roles to promote inclusion Moreover, a thorough 360-degree feedback process will be introduced for senior leaders, complemented by consistent leadership training. The RBA has also stated its intention to expand external advertising for management positions and to conduct a comprehensive assessment of the internal processes and structures that form the foundation of the board's decision-making process. Why was this necessary? Well, I think, look, you know, I haven't worked at the Reserve Bank, but my understanding from talking to people who has is that um, many people, particularly in quite senior levels of management, felt that perhaps um, they their research was was not being properly heard, um, and that there wasn't a necessarily, um, you know, some of the some of the pathways um, for people were 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 not as clear as they should be. I mean, the fact that. There is the need considered a need for a cultural review suggests that there has been some issues at, at, at the bank itself. Um, you know, that said, it's not that you've seen a, a mass exodus from, from the institution. So um, one would not draw such a long bow as to say that there was um, something systemically wrong with culture at the bank, but clearly somebody has decided that it could certainly be improved. And I think that's that's really important. I think every organisation needs to have a look at itself, um, you know, in the mirror very closely on some of these things, and it should be should be done on a on a regular basis. So this was time to you know for the for the RBA to have a refresher. So it makes sense that they would want to do um, you know in in refreshing um, the way they go about monetary policy setting. You know, looking at other things that they do is is, is a good idea as well. So turning to the economy now, it's no secret that additional tightening of monetary policy might be necessary to lower inflation. The RBA has noted that 6% is still too high and predicts CPI inflation will hover around 3.25 until the end of next year and then fall back within targets by late 2025. What are your current economic expectations and projections? Look, I think, you know, inflation is coming down. Maybe it's not coming down um, quickly enough and we'll, you know, wait and see what the September CPI numbers um, show us. But it certainly is coming down in the right direction and we know that we have had a massive amount of monetary policy tightening, historically the most tightening in the shortest period of time that Australia has ever experienced, at least since we've been um, reporting on, on on these things. And we know that not all of that has come through the economy, and yet we are already seeing signs of sharp slowdown in consumer demand. We are seeing mortgages hit, um, their hip pocket nervous hit, and it's not just through, um, obviously, higher interest rates, but also the, the higher cost of living. So they are spending less. 
Um, that is feeding through into lower goods prices. We need to see um, a bit more subsidence in um, services prices, but I think that's coming. That was the last cab off the rank. People were still perhaps spending a bit of money. Um, there was still a little bit of a rebound post-COVID in terms of holidays and, and eating out. That will start to subside as well. We just saw the latest wages numbers were very conservative, three points um, you know, six percent um, over the year, which is which is really modest given how tight the labour market is. So my thought is that on the basis of those um, economic numbers, we won't need to see further tightening as long as inflation continues to come down um, to those levels. I mean, three point two five percent by the end of next calendar year is actually a pretty good way to get there, um, particularly minimising the disruption to the labour market. They're still talking about a rise of one percentage point in unemployment. We want to have as little of that disruption as possible. We want to keep those gains in in full employment, that very low rate of full employment, um, and keep that for as long as we possibly can. It's, it's good for individuals. It's good for society, the economy as a whole. So they, they should tread tread warily, and I think, you know, they've shown themselves in recent decisions that that's what they're happy to do. There is much global debate around the potential impact of additional interest rate rises triggering a global recession. Australia, of course, is not exempt from this consideration. In your opinion, do you believe that further rate hikes could potentially result in a recession? 100%. I mean, the Reserve Bank's own modelling showed that if we had another three um, hikes from where we are, that there was an 85% chance of us getting into a recession. So I think, um, you know, the, it's it's pretty clear that that's, that's there. The question then becomes, you know, even if we don't have further rate rises, you know, what what is a recession? We know the technical definition is that GDP goes backwards two quarters in a row. What we've already seen in the first quarter of this year and what we're likely to see in um, the June quarter is the in national accounts is um, GDP per capita um, go backwards again. Um, in fact, we've had, you know, across the last three quarters GDP per capita, which is really what matters, that's your living standards, has, has gone absolutely nowhere. Um, you had a small rise flat and then a small fall. So on that basis, you know, we, we possibly are already in... Um, one definition of a recession. Obviously, everyone looks to the unemployment rate as one of the, the most likely indicators. That's always the last cab off the rank, though. Um, that is the last indicator that turns people hold on to labour until right to the last minute. Um, they don't want to let go if they don't have to. So, you know, watching those numbers, it might start in a year's time when we do have unemployment that's four and a half to five percent even, that it feels a little bit more like, um, if not a deep recession, um, certainly nothing like what we saw in, in the 90, early 1990s, it still will feel as though the economy, you know, we will be feeling the slowdown more 12 months from now, I believe, even without further rate rises. And certainly if there were further rate rises, I think it would be impossible to um, avoid a more traditional type recession. Nikki, thank you so much for sharing your insights today. And thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this Financial Standard podcast. For more information, visit financialstandard.com.au. Please keep in mind that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature and does not consider personal circumstances. Reliance should not be placed on any content without further independent financial research and advice. 